0: Hey everyone, Zach here. Just wanted to give everyone a heads up that we experienced some audio qualities due to uh, internet issues during this episode. I think most of that has been resolved, but you may hear a couple little disruptions from time to time. And hopefully this is a one-off thing and we'll be back to usual qualities uh, next week. Thanks for being understanding and enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome to the Bite Size Gaming Podcast, the podcast that's serving up the buffet of RPG topics to get you through your week. My name is Zach and the host joining me this evening are John Christian, Troy Sandlin, and Catherine Lindquist. How's everybody doing? Tired. Doing
1: good. <laughs> I'm exhausted, but I'm happy. <sighs> happy, happy.
0: We have yes. a super exciting episode today. This is part one of two of our Gen Con Online post con conversations, which should be the new name of these episodes, I think. Uh, we are itching to talk about Gen Con. We've been talking about it all weekend, all last night, practically, till super late in the morning, uh, mm-hmm. in and out today. And now, finally, for you people here on the podcast, so we've we've obviously got a lot to say. Uh, part two is going to involve Thomas Votal. We're going to get him in again, and we're going to talk about uh, some of the stories and some of the the incidents that happened during the convention in our next episode. Uh, but this time, we're going to talk about all the prep work that comes into a uh, online convention. Everything that you do to put together a, an Adventures League game. Um, and how that might differ differ from playing in person. This is going to be a great episode for players to get an insight into what does your AL DM do on the back end to get ready to put something in front of you. It's going to be a great uh, episode for DMs who want to know what it's like to run at an AL convention, at least from the viewpoints of uh, the four of us. Uh, Before we do that, though, we've got just a few uh, announcements and products that we uh, think are really cool. And we would like to hype those for you in our dessert, in our dessert round, if this was chopped, I suppose. Um, A la cuisine! (laughs) uh, (laughs) That's going to be a real thing. Now I'm going to have to grab an audio bite of that and drop it in. (laughs) I'm going to go ahead and start us off here. Um, I'm going to do another Kickstarter, uh, one that I'm really excited about. I think every one of you should go back it. Um, I saw these guys with Troy... Uh, when we headed out to PAX Unplugged last year, and I think we were both really impressed with them. They were kind of the standout for the convention. Mm-hmm. Troy picked out the uh, uh, core rulebook, if I remember right. Yes, um, I did. This is a company um, called Dark Matter. And it is basically science fiction D&D. And if you're saying, well, we already have that. It's called Esper Genesis. I say yes, but you can always have more. Mm-hmm. Um more and uh really great uh visuals, really great book, really high quality stuff. Uh the art style's really great, the art direction. Um Dark Matter is exceptional. And right now, Dark Matter has put out a new Kickstarter for a starter set. So just like the DD starter sets, this is all gonna come in a box. It's gonna give you the basic rules, it's gonna give you, I think, a map, some dice, an adventure. And everything you need to dip your toes into their sci-fi setting. Um, I did not bite the bullet and grab their core rule book because I really wanted a product like this. Something to where I wasn't paying $50 for one book, but I could get pay something and try out the whole experience. So this is this is right up my alley at this point. And um, hopefully we try it out. We love it. And... Uh, we go from there uh troy you have one of these books what was your thoughts of dark matter uh very very nicely done um
2: the artwork in it is is pretty slick it definitely uh gives you the feeling of a uh a rocking good uh space game um and if you look at the kickstarter artwork i mean it's it is it's the same i mean uh even with the new books and stuff, it, it gives you that same gonzo Star Wars fifth element, um, all that kind of feel. And, you know, it just, it looks like a lot of fun and they've even got some dice on here that, that you can get with the, uh, the starter set, the, the, the hematite or however you geology people pronounce those words. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, they the, got the the DM's sc- or the GM screen. Sorry, uh, the and the Dark Matter Matter Core book itself, the one that I got, is pretty darn hefty. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, you might uh, you might be able to use it for a bulletproof vest when the zombie apocalypse comes. It is that thick. It, yeah. but it's pretty, it is pretty. It's nice. And so yes, uh, Zach is costing me more money because I will be I will be uh, pledging to this Kickstarter.
3: Most keeping definitely. up the tradition.
2: Yeah, keeping we... up the tradition.
1: Yeah, looking at Zach's face right now in video, he looks really concerned with your purchases and <laughs> his contributions to them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a look of it's a look of abject glee at this point. I think.
1: Yeah, we talked with
0: James and Picasso, uh last week on the podcast and had a great time. Abso- uh, uh, mm-hmm. Absolutely had a blast, and um, I think that maybe there's an option for if. Burn Bright, as a setting, is up your alley, but you want to stick with Fifth Edition. I'm not saying these two are the happy marriage until I get my hands on both, but from a general feel of what type of sci-fi they're getting into, I think that you might be able to pull an adventure of Burn Bright into the Dark Matter rule set and have yourself a cool, rousing good time. So, uh, I'm gonna hype Dark Matter today, I guess.
2: Uh, not, not to Ooh. mention. Uh... The the uh, I guess you really can't call them. I guess you get to call them space monsters in the in Dark Matter book. You pull one of those bad boys out and throw them in your D and D game. Your players are not going to know what is going on. Uh, so yeah, you want to throw in some uh, rockets and ray guns in your D and D, or just hit them with some weird creepy monster out of the out of the blue. Pick you up some
0: dark matter. Uh, you're not going to be you're not going to be upset. I don't think. Sweet. All right. Uh, let's see. John, Who do you, what do you have for us today?
1: Oh, man. I am so excited about this. Um, man, I love Hellboy. And uh, just in time for Christmas, I'm hoping. Uh, Manic Games is working with uh, publisher Red Scar Publishing, and they're partnering with Dark Horse Comics to uh, put out a new Hellboy role-playing game, hmm. and I could not be more tickled. So the idea is they give you all the tools that you need to step into the shoes of a Bureau of Paranormal Research and Defense member uh, to become an, an agent that forces the face, uh, faces uh, the forces of evil. Uh, they send you out into the field with all this, the study of the occult that you're required um, to, uh, whether you're a rookie or not, veteran or, or otherwise, and uh, you're not necessarily going to be Abe Sapien or uh, Hellboy or anything like that, but you're going to be one of the grunts that's that's kind of coming up, and it's uh, it's pretty cool. Now, the thing that's even easier for me to to adopt this game is they're using the five E rule set. Mm. So this will be this will be a D twenty. This will be an easy adoption. Um, I absolutely lo- love Mike Mingala, and I love uh, I love Hellboy. I absolutely love it. So the the, the setting is so. Um, like that the gothic, weird, alien, uh, like a little bit of steampunk mixed in fantasy element, but it's all set in the in the in the current age. they're, they're also talking about uh, how the bureau spans hundreds of years as far back as like the 17th and 18th centuries. So mm-hmm. you you could maybe have a little bit of time travel that's mixed in there. Um, yeah, man, I am like super stoked about this one. They've got a Kickstarter that's going to be starting up uh, pretty soon, uh, and we'll put uh, a link in the doobly doo uh, for you, where you can get notified <laughs> of it. It's actually this is far enough in advance, at least, to where this is one of those where you can get notified of it and be one of the first ones. Which they've already got my money. That's what this is one of those shut up and take my money moments. I've already I'm set aside yep, yep. A, a, a load of dough on this one. I'm very excited. Uh, Madness Games actually uh, they put together the the Hellboy uh tabletop board game they had a kickstarter back in 2018 and uh i really enjoyed it i've I've actually i got a copy of that too so um that's how i heard about it i'm on the mailing list so you heard it here first folks or actually second or third or whatever but you heard it here for (laughs) sure right so uh if you don't know anything about hellboy uh the comics are fantastic the first two movies by guillermo del toro are amazing the third one, we're not going to talk about it right now, uh, because it's, there are it's a lot of visually, visual hurt feelings. It's visually cool.
2: It's well, visually oh, cool, yeah, but... yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's got All issues. I could, I, could, but yeah. Yeah, I could go on a whole diatribe about it, but, but anyway, but the role-playing game looks fantastic, so that's mine. It sure does. Very cool. Awesome.
0: All right. Uh, now,
1: John has cost me money. Dang. Mm, you're welcome. <laughs> that's an investment, sir. It's <laughs> <That's> an investment.
3: <laughs> Well, I'm not going to cost you any money this particular week, but I might cost you a little oh, bit of time. <laughs> um, I am going to hype, actually, a, um... It's a Twitch. It's based in Twitch, and then they also... I found them through Instagram. I am going to hype TPK Roleplay. They put out a call for players pretty regularly on their Discord server, uh, and... I managed to snag one of those up. They go nice. really fast usually, so I'm going to be playing a an Eladrin Wild Magic Sorcerer on their stream, Harper Investigations. Mm-hmm. Um, it is probably Very it's cool. going to be like one or two episodes back by the time this airs, but it should show up when you uh, scroll down on the little like Twitch recent streams bar. Uh, or you can just check out whatever one they're streaming that night. Like mm-hmm. that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's it. Yes. Awesome. TPK roleplay. play. roleplay. Cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: That's fun. You're getting to be in the player seat for a little while. So <laughs> yeah. yeah,
3: it'll be, it'll be good. Awesome. You get time.
0: Very cool. We'll put a link down and, uh, yeah, that's awesome. I haven't heard of TPK roleplay, but, uh, from what you were telling me before, before, uh, we started recording, uh, they sound really cool. So good for them. Yeah. Good for you. All right, you. Troy.
2: All right. Well, I just want to talk about a little thing that uh, dropped just the other day on uh, DM's Guild, and uh, you, y'all may have heard of uh, of a uh, an up and coming author by the name of uh, Keith Baker. He he made a little a little setting called Eberron, and he has finally <laughs> released exploring eberron almost 250 of eberron goodness mm-hmm. um and it's got a lot of stuff and having uh, been running at gen con this past weekend i have not had a chance to dive in but i mean it has it has your usual you know recent history the war of the mark uh things like that uh seer before mm-hmm. the morning uh, it's got uh, the races of Eberron going a little bit deeper on them, uh, the faith getting deeper, and finally we get to you know learn this is this is why I was so excited about this book. We get to learn more about uh, Droam and the the heirs of Dakan and the God or the the, the Dar. So, uh, I've been craving this information. Since the setting came out, I wanted to know <laughs> all about how hob- hobgoblins, goblins, and bugbears could create a whole society that covered an entire continent and have all of this awesome magic and, and, and all this stuff. And now I can finally get my hands on it. And so it, it just looks fantastic. The artwork, I mean, one of the first things you see is uh, one of Keith's own characters the Warforged Druid rose in all of her uh, flowery glory. And it just, it just keeps getting better from there. Um, you've got pictures of the the lightning rail and the, uh, the more whole dwarves with their, you know, dalliances with the, uh, the symbiotes of uh, Zoriat and stuff like that. It's just, it's just fantastic. Mm. Um, So much to dive into, like I said, it just dropped on uh, DM's Guild, um, and I think when I grabbed it, it had already hit uh, Electrum, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I picked it mm-hmm. up the, the day that it dropped. So mm-hmm. I don't know what it's at right now, but uh, make sure if you're if you're any kind of an Eberron fan, go get this.
1: Yeah, I'm, kind of, I'm in the same boat that Troy's in right now. I've got my copy, and it's sitting there. It's simmering. It's simmering on my desktop. Oh, oh, it's, it's and, calling uh, to me.
2: Yeah, and I totally forgot to mention, you can get this print on demand.
0: Yep, that's uh, <coughs> mm-hmm. that's uh, it on its way to me. Hopefully, at this point. So, we'll
1: yep. See. My I, hope is that I they could, had the forethought
0: wait. to print out a bunch of them ahead of time, because they had to know that this was gonna get a big release. Oh, yeah. Hopefully they weren't like, well, let's just see. We'll start printing when the when the orders start coming through because <laughs> they're going to be backed right. up for a while if that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think we're all excited for Eberron. We're going to talk about that some more in our next episode, I think. But uh, for this episode, mm-hmm. we've got a big topic to dive into. Uh, so let's get diving in and talk about some Gen Con. All right. Alright, so, this episode is just pre-GenCon, pre-Con prep. And um, we've talked about that a little bit for D&D Live in one of our earlier episodes that we did like this. So, this might be a continuation of that episode of sorts, because some of of the stuff has already been covered. um, But there may be some repeat here as well. John, you are our king of prep, probably by the time you say everything that you have to say about prep all the re- all of it will be covered so let's just start with you and maybe we'll just end the episode there so. uh yeah
1: king king's probably in the in the in the court i'm probably not the king i'm probably the like the, the jester of of prep um mm. because i think I, I kick myself in the pants uh repeatedly by the obsessive level of preparation that i do um i mean it's it starts with really there's the, not even with the adventures Right. It's uh, some of the prep. I think uh, that's important for us to talk about is the communication that communication from Baldwin games this time around was fantastic. You know, they uh, set up a discord server, all of the DMS and and judges got together. We were able to collaborate ahead of time, get to know one another ahead of time, kind of create a good community setting. And then all of the news came from there. Uh, That was fantastic. And then, uh, even before, again, before the all, uh, I should say, all of the adventures got into everybody's hands. We were already able to communicate to our players if we wanted to. Yeah. So that was the one. One of yes. the things that was significantly different this time around was mm-hmm. that uh, instead of coming to my table cold, that I had already communicated with my players a week in advance. I held off. I had all of my players at my tables ahead of time before that, but uh, had uh, held off. You know, because I think. Uh, too soon is, is definitely a, definitely a thing. So, about a week ahead of time, um, communicated out to them. Had them start. They started talking to each other. They started coming up with role play ideas and how their groups would had met and the interactions that they'd have with one another. And I t- I'll tell you what, the, the tables were fantastic about that. Very communicative. Uh, a lot of really cool creative ideas that uh, it helped me customize the game for them before I they even before they even showed up. Um, created a good rapport. Between them, and so they they felt like a, a team uh, before they they kind of they first started rolling the virtual dice. Um, prep for me was that it was just making sure that I'm communicating out to them back and forth, answering questions. The online component of this is um, is a challenge. It's a good challenge, but it's it's new. A lot of it's new. You I know, mean, I'd run roll twenty games for months and months uh, prior to Gen Con uh, as a result of. All of my in-person games going online from from COVID. So mm-hmm. the good thing that I had was at least we were I was ready for that much. I was competent with Roll Twenty, learned a lot of stuff, been able to help other DMs out. Uh, which actually that's uh, another thing I'm going to let uh, i let Zach uh, tell that that part uh, actually about uh, working with the other GMs to kind of bring them up to speed for those that hadn't been in uh, virtual tabletops very much. Roll Twenty in, in particular, how uh, he and our buddy Tom and i worked on that so actually i'm gonna i'm gonna hit pause on mine because i think this was a really really important part <laughs> that i want to make sure that that Z- this is zach's idea and uh i want to I blow him up for it so zach if you don't mind kind of give him an idea of what we did
0: yeah so we're kind of info dumping on on you i'm sure at this point but
1: yep that's me that's all good <laughs>
0: uh one of the things that we prioritized for this convention was once all of the dms were together uh we wanted to kind of help make the the experience work across the board a lot of dms were coming in with little to no uh, online dming experience and we wanted to give them some tools to make that as simple as possible so uh john and uh uh, tom and myself uh with some help from a few others uh, dove in and put together a nice little uh roll 20 class and a D&D Beyond class and an advanced Roll20 class that all the DMs could go to. It was on Discord and we just screen shared and walked them through uh, all the little tips and tricks and how to build things and how to how to run an AL adventure uh, in a simple way as possible. And then once they felt confident in that, how to go from there. And uh, we had some pretty good turnouts. Uh, we had a Q&A session after everyone that that, Went really well, and uh, I really feel that for the DMs that took part in it, uh, across the board, it heightened the experience. So that's something that we'll probably do in an ongoing way, where uh, every con of any of any large capacity, we run a classroom aspect before.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I got a lot of really good good positive feedback uh, from that. Some uh, some DMs had come in. With little to no experience in Roll Twenty, but they knew that that was the preferred platform for a large majority of the audience that they were trying to reach. So, um, I think that the 101, 102, and then the integration between D and Beyond, D and D Beyond through Beyond Twenty, uh, yeah. was really, really important. I'm not saying that it was key necessarily, but I think it was. Uh, I think it, it enabled it enabled the uh, the the GMs that uh, that took advantage of it.
0: That's a nice conversation to have real quick here, a little statistic. Almost all the games, I think, this time were ran through Roll20 at, for mm-hmm. our Gen Con. The, the vast majority
2: of them, I believe, were, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: There uh, were
3: some Fantasy Grounds, I think.
0: Yeah, there were. But, yep. like, very fantasy few... Grounds, there's a few Zooms.
1: Were...
0: few Zooms, few just Discords still. Yep. Mm-hmm. But, but I think, as opposed to the time before that had a wider variety Um, A lot Mm -hmm. of DMs who were just doing one thing, like just doing Zoom or or a Discord call, shifted over and took on Roll20 as their platform. I think some of the Fantasy Grounds people uh, kind of streamlined that process. Um, So at this point, I think that the consensus has been made that Roll20 is the platform of choice for a con experience online. Uh, I think that's mainly though just because it allows for the virtual t- uh, tabletop and no one has to buy anything, mm-hmm. right? Yep. That's not a that's mm-hmm. not a statement on yep. whether Fantasy Grounds is better or whatever is better. It's just saying that free has to be in the discussion when mm-hmm. you've got people uh, coming in to play with strangers and all that, and and when you're wanting it to well- be accessible to the masses.
2: I think I think one of the 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 big uh, points or one of the big feathers in Roll 20s hat is since it is browser based, mm-hmm. the know. player doesn't have to download anything. They can just click on your link and pff, there you are. Yeah. Uh, if if I could be wrong, but because mm-hmm. I have not yet dabbled in Fantasy Grounds, but I think you kind of have to. Don't you have to download some stuff? Yep. And you updates. Do. Yeah. There's and a there's a yep. there's yeah. a
1: client application you have to install. Yeah.
2: yeah so that right there uh makes it super uh, super easy for the for the con experience considering you get people from all over the, especially now literally all over the world mm-hmm. they're mm-hmm. dropping in to play a game with you and it's uh, the the more you can reduce that barrier to uh, entry, the better off you're gonna be and uh, you know
0: roll 20 did that pretty well yeah if they at least for me out their voice video. David. Uh, yeah. would... <laughs>
1: mm. Well, and they also they suffered the the same problem that, that any online presence does whenever they get hammered. Whether or not a lot of new users, you always mm-hmm. think that you've got enough bandwidth. You think you've got enough resources that are uh, applied to it, and then the reality sets in. And in a good to the to their uh, to their benefit, they had more people than they were probably expecting. And so over the course of the weekend, you'd see some sluggishness. You'd see some delays. I think on Saturday, they pretty much revoked. I, I didn't have API access to any of my scripts or anything like that, like that kind of stuff. I think they'd probably gotten to the point where their systems were so overtaxed by the the load of that many people being online. They started cutting things out like, all right, they don't have to have APIs. They have to be able to use their screens, use their tokens, uh, they were patching things throughout the weekend to make sure that they were increasing the um, the viability of the system. So, but I think that all in all, I was surprised at how well the system actually held up. I'm I'm, uh, I'm pretty I'm pretty hard on them as a developer. I'm pretty hard on them. Uh, but I think that despite a couple of hiccups and frustrations, I think I had like a 15 minute span that was really frustrating where I couldn't access tokens. My players couldn't access tokens. The, the Twitter was blowing up people complaining about not being able to use their stuff. And I think it was like about 15 to 20 minutes. They had everything uh, back on track. So, yeah,
0: there's, there's, there's definitely things throughout the con, but I think we knew a lot that there were going to be issues going in. Mm-hmm. You know, there's always the, well, what if it goes down discussion? That definitely happened pre-con. And the reality to that is that it really is going to throw a huge wrench in your play. And I don't yep. think that, I think everybody just kind of in their own way, decided to pretend that that wasn't a possibility Um, because the reality was that, you know, the players were until it happened twice. Exactly. Uh, The players were, are buying a ticket to play in a roll 20 game with visual uh, things to interact with and with, with resources that they can use on that space. And if roll 20 goes down, sure. You can say, Hey, well you can play on discord or whatever. We can still play, but it's not going to be the same. And, how do you handle all that so i think by and large there wasn't a overarching discussion there wasn't a message from on high about like if it goes down this is the protocol this is what you tell people it was mm-hmm. just like let's cross our fingers and uh figure it out at the table sort of thing and uh, luckily we didn't have right. a lot of that yeah so, Whenever,
1: um, whenever. oh catherine go ahead please sorry
3: yeah it's okay uh so I haven't really been talking as much uh, because prep was really different for me than it was for uh, the rest of these guys because I uh, I have not been able to purchase a laptop. Mm. Um, I only own a tablet. And so it was I just a heads up for everybody else out there in the same position as me. Rule twenty is exponentially harder, and in some cases, there are some things that you just can't do mm-hmm. um, if you're on a tablet versus if you're on a computer. And I'm not, I'm not saying that that is necessarily a bad thing. From like a, a I'm not saying that rule twenty is bad because of this, uh, because I know. I I just recently learned that, like, coding for an app is entirely different than coding for a browser. So, like, there's a whole bunch of stuff there. But um, just be forewarned, you can still – I'll put it this way. I could still use Roll20. I couldn't – I didn't even try to get into any of the macros (laughs) Um, because even some of the basic stuff, uh, like, especially things that you have to right-click or left-click – It's sometimes impossible to do those, or you have to figure out some other, like, tapping thing or something. Um, so I ended up, uh, having to ask one of our friends, uh, David Burkhart. He was amazing. He let me, after I tried for, like, a solid day to make a single map on Roll20, he let me copy his mods, um... How they were set up, but then I still couldn't access the tokens that he had hidden from the players. Um, mm. But all that to say, uh, back on the prep side of things, I would say if you have a tablet, it's possible to do it. Just keep it really, really simple. Um, mm. Don't, tr- or even, you know, go to, um, well, if a library is open when you do this, uh, or borrow a friend's computer, go to a library, something like that. Uh, set up the maps there, set up everything that you don't have to move there, Uh, and then you can open it on your tablet, and then you can move, um, you can set up the tokens in there so that you know that you'll be able to move them from the tablet. Nice. That's what I would recommend.
0: Yeah, that's a good call, because I don't think any of us knew, well, John may have known, because he's been a a Roll20 addict, but but I don't (laughs) think any of the rest of us knew all the ins and outs of using... Roll20 on different different devices and even as as people came in, players into the games using it on different devices, it's a learning curve and, and having some understanding. Like I, I had a player that was playing on a tablet and because of some of the things we discussed, I knew that like saying, well, you know, there should be, you know, you right click this and there's this. It's like, well, that's not really, mm-hmm. that's not going to translate the same way. Yeah. So. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, that's tough. I didn't even think about the tablet, honestly. I've never tried to. i yeah. as as I'm listening to <laughs> Catherine's woeful story. I'm I'm just sitting here looking at my tablet and, t- and tinkering with it. I'm like, yeah, that seems like that'd be really, really tough to do, just not being able to <laughs> right click and being a DM, not being able to right click. Yeah. Yeah, you're not making any maps. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how you do it in, yeah. in a tablet. That's uh, that's tough.
0: One of the other things. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that would been. Ugh. One of the other things that uh, I think is important to talk about on this episode is. Um, the adventures themselves and how those are delivered mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because that's definitely part of the pre-con experience and i think that's another thing that not if 100 percent. if you are a player or if you are not an al person this is new information to you right um we get the mods from on high typically sometime two weeks or less before the uh, convention starts Sometimes mm-hmm. very less. Very less, mm-hmm. yes. If you as a player or you as a DM are signing up to play or run something that is premiering at the convention, like this is the first time it's ever going to see the light of day, it was probably handed to your DM or it will probably be handed to you as the DM around two days before the convention. Yeah. <laughs> it, at least part of it. Um. It will be a last minute thing. Uh, nearly across the board Uh, and and your dm probably had less than three days to prep it would be my statement and will probably not have maps it will probably have like little doodles that they have to translate Mm -hmm. it will probably have a uh, appendix revision that is sent out a second version that is sent out two hours before this their first slot, <laughs> and they're told to run this and not the other thing. Uh, um,
1: uh, they certainly won't have virtual tabletop level no. pictures, d- digital images, high res that are available, gridded, uh, scaled, no tokens, none of that stuff. Right. A lot of, and I think that's the thing for me is that I haven't set, ha- I haven't had a player say what they expected yet. Uh, I, don't, I haven't really, to me, it seems almost rude to ask, but uh, especially p- after the fact, but um, I am curious to, to know what players think wh- whenever, before when they go into an online game, what is the expectation? What kind of maps are they expecting to see? Are they full color? Are they, can they be black and white? Uh, can they be just uh, grayscale, high res? What kind of, what do the tokens look like? And so I think there's a massive difference in play style, not just the way that you run a game. Like how you tell a story, how you have your players collaborate, making sure that they're involved and all this other stuff. That's like that's a skill set that is carefully crafted and honed over time. And now in the new era, it's like you got to have all that, and you got to have some tech sense. You got to know your way around Mm -hmm. uh, a browser and settings and voice and audio and the things that can go wrong in Discord. And do you choose Discord versus Roll Twenty? So. I think that the era that we're in, when it comes when it comes to prep, right? So we talked a little bit about pre uh, pre show communication between each other, between the the the, uh, the players. Um, talking about roll twenty versus fantasy grounds and kind of like the struggle between those. I think that's the that's the hardest thing, you know. Traditionally, when you get the mod, you're given like like Zach said, you get scribbles mostly you know some are more cartog- uh, cartography f- friendly than others um, and they're functional <laughs> they are functional they're, I'm not I'm not saying like I would say 80% of them are functional anyway. Uh, not to be unfair to anybody any of the the uh, non- dry types but um, they uh, they're functional but you can't can't scan them in or copy paste them into a virtual tabletop and to me at least expect the players to not to kind of cringe at it. You know, kind of—it's like, like popsicles and band-aids holding the whole thing together. Is what, it, kind of what it looks like. So I don't know. Between the three of you, does that does that sound about right? Am, am I crazy, or what? What do the you, two, you three think? I know I'm I'm like clinically are, insane when it comes to preps, but I yeah. mean like still, I, I'm just curious. If if no one
2: has seen uh, John's uh, table at a con, then you, you just really don't understand what he's actually saying at this point what he's describing I um, really hate myself that, carry on that uh, that being said I'm also the guy that uh, spent uh, $100 and probably put 40 hours of work into creating a uh, miniature version of the Oracle of War for Winter Fantasy so oh man look at you wow uh, so you know that was that was kind of a but it was it was like a little labor of love didn't yeah. didn't really help help any of my games but you know it was kind of neat, oh, um, but uh, well, I was yeah. But uh, the 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 prepping the maps and things are definitely. I mean, you start to prep in an in person con. It's just a different animal yeah. on. Uh, it's, it's for the com- online thing.
0: It's completely acceptable as a DM at a con at a physical con to show up with a Chessex map and a, and a marker and draw your maps on the fly with your players, and it's simple. Mm-hmm. It is not, mm-hmm. yes. to a certain level, it is not perfectly acceptable to do that in an online convention. Right. Because even if it should be, the guy across the virtual convention hall from you, that they're play, whose table they're playing at next or before, is doing a map. And as soon as yeah. you see a full-color map on the table, you, the scribbles are no longer okay. Right,
1: and not by a long shot. So, so you're saying I ruined it for everybody? is this an know, intervention? Yeah. Well, this I, is an intervention. Crap! Yeah. I knew that. I knew I should have come on this podcast. <laughs>
3: if,
2: we were we were trying to wait till after the episode is over, John. Just calm oh, down. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: I was thinking about it like if you went to a convention and every table, almost every table at that con, had the Dungeon Forge, Dwarven Forge tiles. Mm, and yeah. every and all their maps were these like elaborate things like you would see on Critical Roll or whatnot, and except for four of the tables, which had Chessex maps,
2: right? And no minis; they just had like little bottle caps and uh, half half mm-hmm. eaten uh, Star Snickers Starburst and things sticks. on them. Yeah, <laughs> half eaten Snickers. As
1: long as they're willing to share the rest of that Snickers, I think people are going to be okay. Yeah. All First right. you kill it, then you eat it. You know. Oh, lot. I've done. Well, see. And I've I've done that before That's at, a great at tables idea. too. No, yeah, yeah I'll I'll do Hershey's Kisses, uh, Sun, uh, Starburst and stuff like that as the monsters. They kill it. Uh-huh. They get to they get to have it. Yeah. Talk
2: I I use, I use Starburst as inspiration so that way I I remember to give it out. Mm, and yeah. also I I don't let them uh, eat it until they use it. There you go. <laughs> I, I've had I've had grown men spit half chewed Starburst out in their oh. hand because they forgot and absentmindedly ate it. <laughs> It is amazing. It is that's amazing, awesome. and they look at you like a little kid, like, "Oh, oh that's so gross. I didn't swallow. I didn't swallow it. It's still here." <laughs> like, okay, it yeah, still it
1: still counts. It still counts. It's
2: good. That's awesome. But, uh, but yeah, the 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 I will. I want to say one thing about the prep, and it, mm-hmm. and it speaks to both Jonathan and Catherine. Well, even and and to Zach's Points. All all these points. The Baldwin game crew. Is freaking amazing when it yeah. comes to this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, just like uh, Catherine mentioned, uh, DM Dave through through her uh, what he had worked on and helped her out immensely. It was when uh, when the Discord servers were built and all the the DMs joined joined in and started talking. The first conversations that were had: Who's building maps for this mod? Who's building assets for this other yes. mod? Who can I share with? Hey, I have this that I worked on. Do you want to use it? And yes. it was glorious. And I would say that if you if you talk to ten DMs, at least nine of them from GenCon are going to say, "Oh yeah, I used this from somebody else, yeah. and it helped me out immensely." Yeah, it's, even if it's its not, a community.
1: Yeah, even if it's not like map assets, tokens, and stuff like that, it's like, "Hey, how are you setting up your Discord server?" Hey, yeah. what, what what words? What verbiage are you using? Are you putting the oh, code of yes. conduct Krishna's,
2: in? Krishna's, yeah. Krishna's uh, uh, template for the with, Discord yeah. was awesome. You could just, awesome. you know, a couple button clicks here and there, and you had a fully functioning uh, multi-channel category Discord server. It, it yeah. Was what, just what
1: you said awesome. about like as soon as we knew who was going to be running what with who, like I knew that uh, I knew that the moon sixteen, the moon fifteen dms i knew who they were going to end up being right so we go into that into that channel and the the first thing like you said with the came up was um i'm terrible at maps i'm going to need help with maps and there were between myself and two or three others were like you know what don't sweat it we'll take care of the maps and so there was again it, it boiled down to collaboration and communication to where i i didn't i don't hold any of the cards close to my chest my the maps i make or that i find or that i glean off the internet whatever it is Those aren't mine. I'm happy to hand those off. And there were so many other GMs out there that did that, that empowered the other GMs. And it it created more of a homogenous experience, I think visually, just because of how willing they were to collaborate and share their resources and their talents and their creativity, right? So I, I think that was fantastic. And it is definitely, it goes to the community itself.
3: As a, I'd still call myself a brand new bald man game, DM. Um, I've only been, this was my third. I think I ran two real life cons and then I've run two, um, online cons and they've been so helpful and amazing and welcoming and it's been awesome. Um, so to the actual prep point though, um, for people who haven't experienced this before, um, when you set up to do to run for an online convention at least how baldman games was doing it there was a big discord server that was was open for anybody to run their tables at but there was also the option to create your own separate discord server where um you could send your players uh through whatever messaging tool you're supposed to you could send the players a link to your discord server um so that they would have their their private space for running um and i personally and i think all of us i well i won't speak for all of us but i personally would recommend um setting up your own uh, and having just like a miscellaneous chat for everyone for all your slots and then setting up private channels For each of your slots, voice chats, and each of your slots, um, like chat chats, (laughs) Uh, for lack of a better term. Um, So that there's a really clear cut this is where you can talk about whatever, this is where you can say stuff about the mod, you know, in this private Mm -hmm. chat. Um, And then voice chats are separate and private so that people from other slots can't hop in. And, uh, I don't know, troll your mod or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, so there's that.
0: <laughs> yeah. The, the, anything that you saw on discord was probably built by a, uh, a, a DM and mm-hmm. probably not by an official person. Um, mm-hmm. I know some of the people in this very podcast built community discord servers. Some of us built our own private servers, but the, anything that you saw there was probably built by someone who knew the barest amount of what they were doing, but spent hey, we several... mean the barest
1: amount. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but you know what? We gained, I know that I personally all four of us gained so many new skills, abilities, and competencies. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. With this last go around. I feel so I will feel so much better going into the next into the next uh, virtual con. As a result of okay, well, I've taken that beating now, and I've learned. And I've learned not that the, not that the con itself was abused. It like the, there's so much, it's it's water from a fire hydrant that you have to drink from. There's so much that you have to absorb, and so um, I think that I learned as and as much as I thought that I knew, I learned so much more. And not only uh, the it was almost like the process of it, of uh, of onboarding people and uh, and uh, getting them into your game, uh, getting them in, engaged. There's that's like a that's a, a a skill that you don't just don't uh, uh, prognosticate. It's not something that you can yeah. just absorb by osmosis. You have to do the work, and the work is there now. And it's uh, I think the next one's gonna we're gonna see the benefit of it as a result. I think so too. Yeah.
2: Cool. Oh, definitely. That's something that uh, for anybody out there that has thought of uh, DMing the convention and hasn't done it yet that you're afraid or, you know, well, I'm not that good of a DM. You know what? Uh, you know, I, if, if you think you're a good enough DM, you know, right there is problem number one because you should never have that kind of hubris as far as I'm concerned because de- <laughs> I definitely have imposter syndrome every time I go to a con. I've been doing these for a long time and uh, I still get the palm sweats and uh, the, the nervous stutter and all that stuff at, at, at every table But uh, if you want to improve your DMing, DM at a con, virtual or otherwise, Mm -hmm. plant your butt in one of those seats, get six random people to sit at your table and have a blast. By the time you're done, you will learn things from a single weekend of con DMing that you will never have learned in a lifetime of running for your friends. Mm-hmm. And that I can guarantee. And yeah. I learned all kinds of stuff this past weekend.
1: Well, I think it'll make you a better DM at home. It has for me. Oh, it, it my, definitely my, does. My home it definitely games. does. Yeah, now that my, my home games, where we're, we're getting together, but we're getting it's together separate, right? Yeah. In open, mm-hmm. large open spaces, still wearing masks and stuff like that, as much of a bummer as it is, still taking all the precautions, but still, I've noticed how I am more meaningful and more purposeful about engaging players like being aware of who at the table is quiet because in it, like uh, we'll probably talk about this in the next episode, but one thing that I, that D and D live did to help me prep was uh, prepped me for was uh, that not all of my players want to use video, yeah. which makes it incredibly difficult to connect with them for me, at least like, I can't oh, see their two. face, whether they're enjoying themselves or picking their nose. I don't know what they're doing over there, which is probably why they have their cameras off in the first place. But, um, I it, that didn't prep, it didn't prep me. So what I had to do was I had to do these like mental, I like mental reminders to check in constantly with my players. Like so and so has not yeah. spoken in a while. I want to make sure they're still engaged. So I've seen that effect That's, in my in my home games too. That'll definitely be something oh, we we'll talk about
0: tomorrow. But the yeah. uh, the concept oh, yeah. of listen, if you're a player and you're playing in an online game and you have a video camera turn that camera on
1: yeah. <laughs> please yes. please otherwise please turn it yes. on, please. your dm
0: is looking at their self they're looking at the, in a mirror for 16 hours a day if if yeah. you aren't if you weren't there and, and I'm get, pretty yeah i'm pretty but <laughs> even that's that's pretty. too much that's too much to look at. <laughs> too Natural much a handsome
1: man <laughs>
2: pretty, pretty ugly
0: but yeah well that's the thing right is like is is why do why is it better to visit somebody in person than to talk to him on the phone because there's that face-to-face interaction we read so much into it and yeah, there's and, so much
1: chemistry there yeah imagine yeah. talking for yeah.
0: 4 hours to someone you know like this isn't like you're having a short phone call that where you're just exchanging information and you're good right you're you're hoping that when these 6 or 7 people get together that you're going to all be entertained right and it's all supposed mm-hmm. to be fun. It's supposed to be a thing that you walk away from and say, "I want to do that again." So part of that is turn oh. your camera on, and and let's let's let's, let's play a game together. <laughs> let's
3: look at each other yeah. while we're playing.
2: I and and if you if people out there, players or even DMs, because I know there's some DMs that don't want a camera on, I have a challenge for you, and this will this will make you understand all that you need to know. Take your favorite action movie, John Wick, Star Wars. I don't care what it is. Put it on. Blindfold yourself and watch that movie. Yeah. That's what we're dealing with when we're trying to run for people that don't turn their cameras on. And and again, you if you really don't want to, if it's a thing that you have, don't worry about it. We're, we'll get through it. But just think about that. There's there's not there there is one less point of engagement.
0: Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just going and seeing a movie that you've seen a thousand times, your favorite movie, but go go and see a new movie mm-hmm. with a blindfold mm-hmm. on. And try to mm-hmm. then try walk to. away from that experience and t- try to explain to people everything about that movie. And if you go and say, "Well, my blindfold was on," <laughs> because, like, "Well, jack Wagon, take your blindfold off, and maybe it'll be a better movie." But yeah. yeah, we <laughs> should we should
3: probably definitely talk more about that aspect uh, yeah, in the post con. Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. There's
0: there's really that's, only that's one. That's not a prep. There's really only one thing left that I think ties in with prep here. And uh, I don't want to touch on it a lot because every con is going to be different in this respect. In fact, D&D Live is different than this con. But I think that it's valuable to mention that not every con is your DM getting paid or compensated for Mm -hmm. their time. Mm -hmm. You know, I understand if you're a player that you're sitting down at a table and you've paid good money. We have... As DMs, we have that conversation every day of every con is players paid good money to sit at my table. We're going to try to bring them a good experience. On the back end of things, your DM is 100% doing it as a labor of love every time. And maybe a third of the time, if that, they're getting compensated much. And maybe a tenth of the time are they getting paid. So... Uh, that's not to point anything to any cons. There's great cons that I love doing that I don't get paid for, and I'm sure there are sucky cons out there that you get paid to do, right? Um, mm-hmm. So that's not the end-all, be-all. That being said, uh, when you when you think about sitting at the table and you paid your $10 or your $4 or your $20 for that table, just know that your DM is almost certainly not seeing any of that, and the only reason they're sitting here at the table is because they want to run d for you. Yeah. Uh, yes. So.
1: Yeah. So be kind. Be kind to your DMs out there. Yeah. They're putting a lot of effort into it. Uh, like Zach said, it's a, it's a labor of love. You may catch them on a bad night. They may have had a, a rough table. The you know a couple of hours before. So. Uh, but take take care of them. Guar- be be nice. Yeah.
3: Sorry, John. Be nice. You good? Um, but you can guarantee that even if they've just come from a rough table or something like that, they. They want to get back to just enjoying D D together. Absolutely,
0: like, yep, yep.
3: They're, they're yep. there; they have fun just as much as you guys. One
0: hundred percent. And you don't necessarily
2: have to tip them, but maybe throw them a not half-eaten Snickers bar. <laughs> <You know.
1: laughs> yes, a whole Snicker, <laughs> Snickers bar, man. No, no, oh man, yeah. Yeah.
2: No, no, nothing worse than a hangry DM, I tell you. you know? <laughs> well, hey. Um, I have, I have one more thing. Yeah, let's hear it. Let's th- hear it. Th- that, f- that fits right into this. Perfect. Um, this uh, this uh, online Gen Con uh, was not only the first online Gen Con ever, and for all of us, obviously, but it was the first for a few of us in another respect, and, and it regards prep. And uh, we had, uh, in the time that we found about uh, found out about Gen Con leading up to the con, uh, we took opportunity opportunity um, to write a module that appeared at Gen Con um, called The Ruins of Grave Metallus. And it was actually uh, in the Eberron experience track. And it got played twice by multi- multiple tables. And that, in and of itself, that concept of prep was one of the most fun and brutal times I've had as far as D and D stuff yeah. goes. We we busted <laughs> our butts to create something that we hope um, was fun not only to play but also to run. Um, we think we did we did an okay job. I think yeah. no, um, no. That was all right. I, uh, I don't
3: want to take credit for this. I wasn't part of this, but. <laughs> Just to throw that out there.
2: <laughs> no, you were a part of it. You, you, you were, you, you know, you, you helped bounce some ideas and things like that. And you're, you're just as much as part of the team as, as, as anything. So, don't, don't uh, cut yourself short like that. <laughs> but, uh, but that, was, it was really cool. That I wanted to kind of throw out there. Uh, it just, just, just to brag on, on us a little bit, okay. because it was freaking cool. And uh, maybe keep your eye out. You might be able to get a hold of that sucker one of these days and run it for your table if you're if you're into Eberron. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. But yeah, that was a that was a blast getting to hear about how people had fun playing something at Gen Con that you had your fingers on. Not only just to run it, but to write it as well.
1: It that on awesome. top
2: of all of our extra prep. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. This was an interesting, rewarding, frustrating, and amazing. Gen Con, it's one for the books, definitely.
1: Yeah, and I, I publicly acknowledge uh, my appreciation for uh, for the bald man for giving us a shot. To yes. Get yeah. So so thanks, Dave. Yep. yep. Yeah, yep. thanks, Dave. Absolutely.
0: And it was no fault, I'll, I'll go ahead and say this, it was no fault of anyone at the con that we did not have an Eberron Epic, uh, but we basically mm-hmm. found out two weeks before the convention, or at least two weeks, uh, two week time window Ish. to get something replaced, that the Epic was not going to land for Eberron. And they needed a replacement. And uh, so we had about two weeks to fill those shoes and come up with something that would feel like an epic, feel like what, mm-hmm. what players would expect, and would fill that role as the fourth slot game in the experience track uh, well. And I think uh, having run it now like five times, I think it worked. So um, <laughs> I'm as happy with it as I can be at this point. Oh, start. yeah.
1: You know what? Look, pretty- and uh, I, I don't usually say anything positive about the stuff that i do for fear of you know losing any humility but troy and zach did a fantastic job and and we did a great job with it i love it it's totally metal it's totally metal I love totally, it. totally metal it's awesome totally metal
0: keep your eye out it'll as soon as it hits the dm's guild which it will we will post about it so yeah, yeah absolutely office. So Hey, I think we need to wrap this up guys uh, We're already starting to bleed in a little bit Into the longer discussion That's going to come up next week I think yep, we're going yep, to skip yep. All of our news and things next time And just dive straight in Because we're sitting at uh, Around 50 minutes On this one I think uh, we're going to, have to be hard pressed oh, To yeah. hit, hit under mm-hmm. that time Without anything attached to the next one So uh, yep, I think we'll call it here uh, hop on next week and uh, we'll do part two of the second you know what, we might drop it a little bit early we'll see, we'll figure some stuff out because uh, we want you guys to be able to hear all about it So, my name is Zach, uh, thanks to Troy, Catherine and John for hanging out with me this evening check us out on Facebook check out Bite Size Gaming on Instagram and until next week uh, we'll see you later. See
2: ya. good gaming everybody play more games,
1: bye guys